Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, presented to you by the Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for about 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about the coronavirus again. This time we're going to focus on who wears the risk in our system. Mm, The financial risk. Yes, Mm -hmm. so on this program we're going to talk about who wears financial risk in our system because that's really come into prominence with the coronavirus pandemic. Even before the coronavirus, a major feature of neoliberal capitalism has been the downward shifting of financial risk. That is, the shifting of financial risk from the haves down to the have-nots. We have seen the downward shifting of all types of speculation, questionable investment schemes, fraudulent banking and insurance schemes Mm. from those at the top, whose wealth was astronomically increased, to those at the bottom, who have relatively little and whose incomes have been stagnant, like wage earners and people on Centrelink. Indeed, during the last 40 to 50 years, financial risk has been increasingly shifted from global corporations and national privatized institutions like banks, utilities, commercial conglomerates, and those who direct and own them, to individuals and households, consumers, tax-paying citizens, and income earners who don't have a major stake in those institutions. Mm, Yes. In this system, while those with consolidated wealth can have certainty in maintaining or increasing what they have or what they have control over, the lives of people on middle or lower incomes has become increasingly precarious. Many listeners will relate to this from their own lives, I'm sure. Just like wealth, the social distribution of financial risk, as well as other risks, is radically uneven. Those who have wealth load the risk dice in their own favour, aided and abetted by a political and legal constitutional framework and a set of processes and beliefs or ideologies that maintain the loadings of the dice as just and normal. Mm. Of course, a good example of this is the casualisation of much of our workforce with workers taking on the risks of the businesses that they work for. However contested it always has been, of course, and we know from the struggles between unions and corporations and variously regulated by the state that the social contract between employers and employees was that employers should share the risk of the marketplace, complemented Mm -hmm. by unemployment and other insurance mechanisms. This contract as the social contract has been increasingly undermined and made more prone to manipulation and uncontrolled modification. Mm, Yeah, we see this everywhere. More and more, it's the workers who bear the risks of the ups and downs in the marketplace. Casualisation is really just one aspect of this. Other aspects of this downward shift in risk are 
the loss of job security, growing precariousness of individualised contracts and, of course, the shrinking of favourable work conditions. The fragility of casual and uncertain work has really been exposed recently by the coronavirus pandemic. Mm. That being said, much of the federal government's rescue package has been a welcome surprise. Even while we do continue to campaign to have other casualized and temporary worker groups Mm. included, people like artists and musicians, migrants, refugees on temporary visas, and to modify also, we campaign that they modify the design of the JobKeeper, JobSeeker duo of packages that they have come up with to reduce Mm. the risk on those groups of workers. Yeah. So another instance of the downward shift in financial risk is how retirees are increasingly expected to fund their own retirement, Mm -hmm. regardless of how much they were able to save during their younger years or years of employment. What about people who haven't been able to accumulate wealth or property? There's quite a few of those. Um, What about those who haven't been able to accumulate any savings or wealth because they've been carers? or in unsecure employment, for example? What about the people who have worked in underpaid caring jobs who are, of course, largely women? Mm. In general, government provision of Social Security, particularly for retirees through the aged pension, is increasingly conditional and limited. And as we have learned from the recent year, the re- recent experiences with Newstart, they have failed to keep up with living costs. Yeah. And for those with something to invest, greater responsibility is placed on ordinary people to master understanding of market processes and to make complex financial decisions when it's not their area of expertise um, to secure their present and their future uh, finances. Um, Mm. Even worse, they're being asked to put at risk, often, their own housing and income in in what are really speculations And, Mm -hmm. of course, their housing and income, they're the things that are basic necessities. They're not Mm -hmm. really, shouldn't really be currency Mm -hmm. for investment. Exactly. And and the Royal Commission last year has has clearly revealed how many banks have been been exploiting that that fragility and not knowing. The individualised superannuation system in Australia is really a privatised insurance one. And it therewith mm. fails to fairly distribute the risks and the benefits associated with the inequalities of people's income-generating capabilities because we live in a class-segregated system. Mm. Uh, and so, therefore, that means that all of the inequalities which have, we, we have experienced in income-generating during our working lifetime, they actually mm. are replicated later in our aged retirement kind of lives. If not amplified. Mm. That's right. Because uh, because we don't have a true social insurance superannuation system for the age pension like those operating in many European countries, which have the capability of distributing that uh, amount of money saved up by the collectivity more equally Mm -hmm. across all people. Mm. Mm. So on that note, we'll turn to some music. Dirty Dollar by Kev Comedy.
3CR listeners, this is Shane. Hi there, 3CR listeners. This is Shane Howard, the Gowana fella. These are strange and tough times, and a lot of people are doing it really hard. But they will pass. Be kind to yourself and others. Buy local, and like 3CR, support local businesses and local artists. Don't be afraid to reach out for help if you need it, and don't hold back giving it if you can. Thanks to 3CR for being their collective voice. You're listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital, and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the shifting of financial risk from those at the top to those at the bottom in general, and also particularly in a time of the coronavirus. Mm. We've given some examples of the unequal sharing of financial risk in past programs. Uh, For example, when we talked about public-private partnerships, we criticised the way corporations happily take our taxpayers' dollar for major construction projects, but when financial risks appear, whether expected or not, They want to unload it on us, the taxpayers, because their business model is geared to ensuring profits for the shareholder. So I think we call this privatising the profits and socialising the losses. So in another framing, it also means privatising financial certainty while socialising 
financial risk to us, mm. of course. Yeah, and the word of bank fiascos, which we have talked about as well in a past program, financial institutions and their shareholders and executives reaping the benefits of ripping off customers for years, whilst the customers mm. bore the financial risks and the harms of their manipulations and falsehoods. And mm. what happened in those financial to those financial institutions and their executives following the Royal Commission, mostly. Yeah, what did happen? Well, they continue to be deemed too far, too big to fail. Mm. Uh, the recommendations of the commissions are only very sluggishly being implemented, and the executives mostly escaped with large packages. And as far as we know, their shareholders haven't seen large dips in their dividends either. So no major risk there, apparently, on that end mm. of the income scale. Yeah, and of course then there's the state government and the gambling mm -hmm. industries with their lucrative stream of revenue from highly addictive forms mm -hmm. of gambling like poker machines. Mm -hmm. um, and this profitability is certainly tied to the addictiveness of the products and the risk mm -hmm. for the gamblers. So pokies have provided a solid stream of revenue for businesses, governments and a whole gambling infrastructure including pubs and clubs while really sucking the lifeblood from people who become addicted and their families and their communities. Um, well, happily, the closing of the pokey venue mm -hmm. because of the coronavirus yeah. seems to be providing a break for many, apparently, and hopefully the circuit breaker that a lot of people need to break out of that addiction. But um, at this point, it seems that the majority aren't turning to online gambling either, even though it might be a bit too early to tell, but it's not happening at the moment mm -hmm. um, from current indications. Which, But of course, online gambling still provides a pretty secure right. revenue stream for mm -hmm. <laughs> those that have. Yeah. Mm. Picking up on the issue of, of, of risk and gambling, it's quite interesting to point out how capitalist economic system rests to a large degree on what they call speculative investment. Now, speculation is really putting your money in ventures where the possibilities of maximizing profits and minimizing risk of losses seem most likely. So it is a form of gambling, really. Mm. So, yeah. Shark, can yeah. you just explain briefly how this is happening with our money? Well, similar to pokies, you know, in the pokies context, machines are really loaded such that the house always wins. In the investment world, the money investors either already have or they borrow, like in the Virgin Australia case, from banks and other financial sources, in which many normal people like you or I, you know, we do also have some interest mm -hmm. in that we keep our savings there or we go there to borrow money and we need to buy a house. When then mm. things go pear-shaped, mm. as they have, like, for example, with Virgin, all of the little people who have their savings and so in banks, they also are being drawn into the disaster. Those yeah. who have enough reserves, of course, they will happily survive, mm -hmm. whereas uh, many of us will end up with nothing. So that's pretty similar to gambling, whereby risks and benefits are oh, really unequally distributed across the whole social yep. body. Exactly. And um, based, it's based in a system that distributes profits upwards mm -hmm. and costs and risks mm -hmm. um, downwards. Yeah, and, that's right. um, but 
really gambling with loaded dice, as we've mm. said before. But, but back to the coronavirus pandemic and the fallout of economic and social consequences, the last few days have again made obvious how dealing with risk works. The calls for the government using our money to rescue the airline Virgin Australia, which you just raved, Jacques, got mm. me thinking about how they had been managing risk and who got the profit so far and what profits there were and who would be paying for the risk if the Australian taxpayer were to cough up. Mm -hmm. uh, after all, a pandemic was not an unforeseeable risk. After all, as we were saying two weeks ago, pandemics and epidemics have been around for a while and very recently, if we include events like the Ebola and SARS, Mm -hmm. Most travel insurance policies don't cover pandemics. So the oh. insurance companies, they know about the risk. They exclude it. They have done their calculations and are required to offer surety, which is referring to the sure in sure, insurance. In insurance. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I'm guessing that an airline also can't be insured for a pandemic. So mm. why wasn't Virgin Australia putting money aside to cover this foreseeable risk and, for example, mm. make sure that there'd be enough money available to pay their staff, at least for a while? Mm -hmm. If it couldn't afford to do this, then mm. it's pretty clear it couldn't afford to operate anyway. Mm, that's right. That's right. We know how the decisions of the executives of Virgin during the last five or so years has led to totally unsustainable levels of debt, even well before the pandemic. The intention was to compete with Qantas and get access to lucrative mm. upmarket business and international travel. Uh, travel Very uh, risky strategy too. Yeah, mm. totally. In the meantime, executives were being paid multi-million dollar salaries and the profits they were, were being shared across the international corporations and their shareholders. 90% of the airline is owned by international corporations. Mm -hmm. But then when neglectfully unanticipated risks come up, the ensuing discussion in the media shows how divided opinions are about rescuing, mm. in this case, Virgin, a privately owned company. Mm. The age over the last couple of days had the pro and con spread out, some arguing that governments, state and federal, and that is us, mostly citizens, taxpayers, they should bear the cost mm. of rescuing the airline. Mm. Some like the unions, interestingly, they argue yeah. that the state should save the workers, and the company and therefore the workers, all 16,000 of them dependent, who are directly dependent mm. on, uh, on Virgin. Others, true believers in the necessity of competition to keep, which will keep fares low for everyone, they also are going or mm. claiming uh, that the government should support and by rescue in whatever way, Virgin. Mm. Yeah, we'll continue this discussion after a promo. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name's Travis from Larrakia Country, and I'm here to talk about the Reading Writing Hotline. It's a service that helps adults who can't read and write as well as they'd like to. The number is 1300 655 06. Give them a call if you know somebody who needs help with reading and writing. It's never too late to learn, and it's easier than you think. 1-300-655-06. 1-300-655-06. The Reading Writing Hotline. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to 
Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about how financial risk is shifted from those at the top to those at the bottom and how we can see this played out in the time of the coronavirus. So, as Jacques was saying, we are in strange times. Yeah, we are. There are people on the left and the right um, often making the same or taking the same positions on whether we should bail out Virgin Australia or not, mm-hmm. but, of course, for different reasons. At the same time, though, there are also very strong voices suggesting that this is, after all, capitalism, in which mm-hmm. corporations and capitalists should know the risky business they are involved in, and they should fix their own messes. Some adding, as we do, that we should also keep in mind that those with most wealth and have invested, in this case, in Virgin, they tend to avoid paying taxes, uh, mm-hmm. or they, they put their taxes somewhere in one of those paradises, leaving mm. the burden or the proposed rescue to those who do pay taxes. Who do pay taxes. Mm. And, and, and they can't avoid it because we are, <laughs> our taxes get, get automatically deducted from, from our income. And that's usually mm-hmm. there for the lower ends of the income scale. Mm. So I find myself in an odd position too. I find myself agreeing, strangely, with the free marketeers that the taxpayer should not rescue Virgin. <laughs> Even while, of course, I don't believe the free um, in the free market and that the free market should be allowed to guide every aspect of our lives, and that, and of course, that the profit motive should not be left to rule our lives because we That's can right. see the devastation. Yeah. That's causing. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Several states, uh, Australian states, have been entering into the rather silly debates about whether and how they should or could intervene and sort of take over some of Virgin's debt. Mm-hmm. And our Prime Minister earlier suggested that the industry superannuation funds should bail out Virgin Australia, and he called that a market commercial solution yeah. of all things. <laughs> it is outrageous. <laughs> Um, a, a market commercial solution. Oh, mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't the idea of the free market that competition will sort out the, uh, the companies that should su- succeed mm-hmm. and the companies that deserve to fail? Isn't that mm-hmm. the idea of the free market? Um, mm-hmm. Aren't we meant to leave the free market to sort this out and then live happily ever after? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course, it, it, it isn't really a market solution at all. Again, mm. it's us taxpayers no, it's, bolstering up the security of profits for people no, who really have wealth already. It, yeah, it is our taxes offering crutches to parts of the system that are in trouble, especially those referred to as too big to fail. Remember oh. the banks in, tw- in uh, 2009. As mentioned, mm. others argue that competition itself is under threat, and that's why ordinary people like us should take the hint the hit, and we should save the airline. The argument being that if there aren't more companies to compete for a particular service or commercial activity, that will end up with a monopoly that will dictate prices. So we do need competition, which is totally mm. spurious argument. <laughs> so, so let me just sort of mull over that for a moment. <laughs> so, we need to prop up companies uh, through funding or regulation, so mm. that the free market can be left to do its work. <laughs> really? <laughs> mm. 
Anyway, the idea of superannuation funds rescuing Virgin Australia was nicely dismantled by superannuation fund managers themselves. For example, Tim Lyons of Host Plus quite rightly said that the government should not be encouraging the sector to invest worker savings in junk bonds. Mm -hmm. Mm. Exactly. And, and thinking about what we said before about the Australian super system maintaining the inequalities in our society for into our post-retirement lives, being an individualised accumulation system rather than a social or collective insurance system that could distribute age pension income more equally across all retirees, particularly also including women. In that regard, Morrison's suggestion really adds more risk to an already risky and inequitable system. What we really uh -huh. need now more than ever is more public transparency about financial transactions in and across big business and dismantle uh -huh. this spurious need for commercial inconfidence kind of formulations that hide uh -huh. and protect so much mischief and delegates risk to those already suffering from too much of it. Mm. Mm. Amen. <laughs> uh, so we are to, uh, by the end of our uh, program today. There's not much happening at Borderlands. We are basically also in lockdown. We work from home. The student project is continuing and uh, pretty well, actually. So but we are all very much looking forward to the uh, you know to some of the dropping of the stage two three from, mm -hmm. to uh, of whatever it's called lockdown stage three to lockdown stage two probably so that we can start mm -hmm. moving a bit more. Mm. Mm. And I suppose for those wanting help with gambling problems, which we've mentioned, uh, the Gamblers Help phone number in Victoria is eighteen hundred eight five eight eight five eight. That's 1800-858-858. And they might even put you in touch with a support group. Mm -hmm. And so, I think, Jacques, you had a, a, you had a suggestion about a support yeah, group as well when we talked about this earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should probably also have a number to call when uh, the, 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 the risks uh, to uh, our airlines and to many other things are uh, uh, having too great of an effect on us. <laughs> a, a helpline, a helpline for uh, for bankruptcy and uh, uh, whatever other risks are associated with it. Mm. Anyway, thanks. thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet and Jennifer Borrell. Remember, if you do want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothu Yindi.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.